Welcome to Above the Noise, a podcast at the intersection of faith, race, and reconciliation. And I'm your host, Grant Lee Martelli. This is a letter to my white friends who are still struggling with calls for racial, social, and political justice and the role that they and their faith can help play in making a difference. I've been working on this for a while, trying to make it perfect. I don't think it ever will be perfect. So here we go. I have watched some of you, and I have spoken to some of you. I've read what some of you have written regarding the current state of race relations, church history, and political upheaval that we are all currently experiencing. And I know that some have concerns, questions, some are confused, and honestly, some are mad and frustrated. Others are marching or have marched and are holding signs because they have come to identify with the calls for justice and change. You may have heard me say some things that may have caused you angst or have offended you. You may have heard some ideas in this podcast and the town halls for Kent with which you disagree. Please know that none of this is meant to cause any harm or offense. We're simply trying to lead people of faith in becoming truly united, intercultural, interracial, intergenerational, in a historical setting that has not yet lived to its full reality. When the constitutional documents of our great countries are created, they set out an ideal that while they represent some of the best documents that we can create, and the creators believe every word they assign their names to, in reality, they know that they're not living up to those ideals at the time they're written. But it's something that causes and is desire to cause the country to strive to a higher ideal, to strive to a better place. This truth is not unusual in such undertakings. The ideals of the American founders are still alive and worth pursuing. The Bible also bears this out. The Lord gave Moses ten commandments to give to his people. Jesus came to reinforce God's standards and to offer salvation and new life to all. But when Jesus came, the people were not living up to the standards of the ten commandments, which is greater than any constitution that has ever been written, and when Jesus came and he gave us the new way, a new life, and, and brought freedom from sin into the world, and people accepted him, we are still struggling with how to live that life, how to live it perfectly, how to live it right, how to surrender to him daily and to allow our lives to be transformed. Jesus is the only one who have ever gotten them all right. You have seen unrest and peaceful protests demanding justice and equity. You are hearing calls to defund the police and revamp policing. You are hearing that you are racist simply because you were born white. You are hearing terms such as white privilege, institutional racism, Black Lives Matter, becoming anti-racist. There are disparities in the health care, education, banking, home ownership. There's the income gap and the wealth gap. These all point right back to the racial divide that goes back prior to the Constitution and that so many are pointing out and hoping to resolve. We cannot change our past or the history of our countries, 
but we can help change the future of the church and of where we are right now by not being afraid to peel back the past in order to understand our present. We can take an honest look at our history and our heritage without feeling that we are disrespecting those who have gone before us. It is fascinating to me that there are people willing to vehemently defend the founding fathers as though they were infallible and without fault when the founding fathers themselves left us many records of their fallibility and their struggles to get things right and the struggles that some had with each other that resulted in open and public conflict. Take, for instance, the conflict between Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton and Vice President Aaron Burr that ended in the death of Secretary Hamilton. It is intellectually honest to argue that there is no racism in the historical documents of the United States and many other countries that experienced colonialism when the historical documents of all these countries clearly contain documentation of actual racism, racist policies that were institutionalized in the governance of these countries and some that exist to this very day. As difficult as it is to accept, it is truthful to say that white people have benefited from the historical racist institutional systems and power structures simply because of their race or ethnicity, because those systems have existed and still do exist and will continue to exist until we are intentional about exposing them and removing them. So instead of coming into the room using your inherent power to try to dissuade the conversation or to brush it off, you need a different approach. May I be so bold as to suggest humility, compassion, and listening with the intent to learn and giving value to the voices and stories that you might not have heard before and that you are struggling to understand. When we say Black Lives Matter, we are speaking of an ideal that needs to be realized in many circles of institutionalization. It is an ideal and a value proposition that needs to be espoused, not because all lives do not matter, but because of the historical devaluing of black lives from the slave trade to wherever the most recent unnecessary taking of the life is happening today. One cannot argue that all lives matter if there is not an inherent belief that black lives matter. To say that black lives matter is not to belong to an organization of the same name. For the Bible believer, there are many things in that platform or the organization that we simply cannot support. But most of us are not members of an organization. We are simply expressing an ideal and a truth. You can choose to search websites and other distractions, or you can choose to say, I believe that Black Lives Matter, and begin to move to understand how that can be put into action. Just for the record, one cannot be intentionally honest and argue that the lives of the unborn matter without regard for the lives of the born. God is just as concerned with the lives of the unborn as he is the born. And Jesus came to seek and to save those who were born, including people of color. Because we want to talk about the past and create a better future, united with a place for all and opportunities that are ample and equitable, does not mean that we hate our country. We do not hate you because you're white or that you individually 
may be racist or not racist. Racism is not only about individual actions. It is also about institutions and power structures that disproportionately benefit those in power above those who are not. Since predominantly white people set up the power systems, the rules, the laws, the courts, the healthcare system, the educational system, the economic systems, they incorporated intentionally and unintentionally their color conscious thought, values, prejudice, and biases into those systems, and we see the disparities in those lingering institutions still today. European influences on our society tend to push towards individualism. So we say, I am not racist. I didn't do that. My family didn't do this. However, the Bible also holds us to accountability for community responsibility. The people of Israel were held accountable for their individual actions and many times for the actions of the entire community, even though there were many within that community who could say that they had not turned to idolatry or they had not committed anything that was the country was being accused of or the community was being accused of, yet they were held accountable within the community for the transgressions of the community. Part of our struggle with the present challenges is that we need to look beyond the individual and look at the national and the institutional, the community systems that are affecting people negatively. People of color are not inherently victims because of these truths. People of color have made significant strides in this country and around the world in spite of the obstacles that were placed in front of them and in some places are still being placed in front of us. Yet to deny the conversation for fear that some may see it as victim-blaming is the power of your privilege that we do not have. Many of you say that you are not racist and are against racism. But are you anti-racist? What is the difference? To say that I am not racist is a personal choice and a value system that will guide your heart and mind in how you see and how you treat people of color going forward. To be anti-racist is to take that personal choice and combine it with the systemic and power and privilege that you have been given, whether you realize it or not, and insist and influence the changes that need to be made to remove racist institutions and power structures that promote racism and disparate results for people of color. What are some of these institutions? Let me give you a few. First of all, we must be willing to investigate and become educated on what is happening in places that we think are normal or that look normal. Some things that may be normal to you may not be normal to other people who are experiencing it from the other side of the fence. Why are schools that serve predominantly non-white students usually have less funding and less performance than those that serve predominantly white students? Why it is that this pandemic has revealed glaringly what many have known so far, that white students have better access to the internet than their counterparts of black or Hispanic heritage. And for that fact, many Native Americans. Why do people of color have less access to healthy food and medical facilities than predominantly white communities? The pandemic exposed many of these disparities, like the fact that blacks and Hispanics died at three to four times the rate of 
white people infected at the height of the pandemic. And there is no scientific evidence to show that people of color were more prone to COVID-19 than people who were white. Why do black mothers die more often in childbirth than their white than white mothers do? Why are still so few people of color working on Wall Street and in leadership positions in large financial institutions? And why are so few people of color in the boardrooms of Fortune 1000 companies? Why are our courts and our prisons still being packed with people of color when the data clearly shows that crime or criminal actions are not a function of race? Why does every city have statistics that show police stop and ticket people of color at a higher rate than they do their white counterparts for the same offenses? Why do we need the phrase Black Lives Matter when we know that all lives matter? Why are there so few coaches of color in major league sports when most of the players are and have been people of color for many decades? Why are our houses of worship still segregated on our days of worship, whether that be Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, when we claim to serve a God who does not show favoritism and is not bound by race or ethnicity? Why do we continue to insist that people are better off segregated or separated or using the politically correct flares among their own than to be integrated into a larger community? where we can all learn and benefit from each other, and we all worship the same God. These are difficult questions, and they may seem to be normal, just seem to be the way things are. But that doesn't mean that they're the way they need to be. So maybe one of the things that you can do as a person of privilege is to have your faith challenged, is to ask some of these questions, is to try to find out some answers to some of these questions is no longer to assume that the status quo is the way it is because it's the best thing. It may just be because it's convenient or because it's institutional and it may need to change. And when you gain the knowledge and when you gain the understanding, then maybe you can truly then decide where, where you need to put your efforts. If you have ever said, I do not see color, Please take my advice and do not use that sentence anymore. It is embarrassing and it is not true. We all see color. God sees color and ethnicity. From Genesis to Revelation, the scripture reminds us that we are all created the same, but we do not look the same or act the same. It also reminds us that heaven is a place where we will all still hold some of these distinctions. He has made us who we are, and we are different for specific and valuable reasons. So the answer is not not to see color. It is in seeing color. It is in valuing our differences and making paths and places for us all to live in harmony with our differences. To learn to value those differences as a stew that makes our lives better. Some people say that preaching the gospel is all we need. Others say that prayer is all we need. I am not sure that Jesus would agree with either of these naive positions. Yes, the gospel of Jesus Christ in and of itself has the power to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to free us from the dividing wall of separation. 
However, until we reach the state of perfection that Jesus intended, we need to be wise, honest, and educated so that we can help each other along on this journey. Like the four men who tore a hole in the roof of a man's house so that their friend could see Jesus, we need to be willing to help those who are unable to get into the house find a way to have access and opportunities that are available to those who are in the house. The book of James reminds us that if we see a person in need and simply tell them, God bless you and have a good day, we are not contributing anything to the value of the community. Our faith is dead. If the gospel is all we need, then why is there still racism and division in churches among people of faith? who claim to know the gospel and have received the gospel. The gospel must be lived out in reality in the real world in order to achieve its full effect. I have come to believe and practice that the best way to eliminate confusion, distrust, and unrest is to have open and honest conversations, conversations with one another rather than conversations about each other. These conversations must be with a wider audience than those we normally hang out with. In other words, those who look like us and think as we do. The intentionality of diverse voices helping to clear up confusion and miscommunication is important. I have committed myself to this in a number of ways. I have conversations with diverse group of people, some of whom may disagree with my view of the world. I have started this podcast above the noise faith, race, and reconciliation, to encourage people of faith to have these conversations and to give them stories and tools to help them manage those conversations. I have spoken openly about the need for change in the way people of faith have been taught and how our histories have served to both unite and divide us at the same time. This has happened because we have not looked deeper at modern-day Christianity in the light of biblical Christianity. So I'd like to make this standing offer to you. I will make myself available to anyone who wants to have an open, honest, and mature conversation about faith and race in modern and historic terms and how we can come together to be agents of change. I will host a live stream event where we can discuss these things or I can host a members only Zoom or Facebook group. I love you and I honor you for staying faithful in these times. Let us continue learning, talking and growing without fear and with respect for our divergent perspectives. Thank you, my brothers and sisters, for listening to me. And please share with me your thoughts, your responses, either by email or in the chat. Please share with me your comments and your inputs in my email at abovethenoise24 at gmail.com. Abovethenoise24 at gmail.com. Above the Noise can be found on most podcast directories including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and TuneIn. Like us on your favorite directory where you listen. Leave a review. Reviews are important. They make us more visible to a larger audience, and it also helps us know how we're doing. 
you can email us at AboveTheNoise24, AboveTheNoise24 at gmail.com. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you.